Hello, and welcome to the Biotech 2050 podcast. Biotech 2050 is a think tank chronicling the disruptions changing the biotech industry over the next several decades. Check out our website at biotech2050.com. I'm Rahul Chaturvedi, today's host. I'm also the founder and CEO of Clora. Clora is organizing the world's life sciences expertise and is the place to discover, build, and manage on-demand life science teams. I'm very excited to welcome two guests from Reflection Medical's executive team, Torsten Melcher, their chief business officer, and Samuel Mazin, their co-founder and chief technology officer. The Reflection X1 BGRT capability requires 510K clearance. This feature is not available for sale. Thanks to both of you for joining us today. Thanks, Noel, for having us. Yeah, thanks, Rahul. It's really nice to be here. Great. So, Torsten, why don't we start with you? We'd love to hear a bit more about your background, career journey, and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, no, happy to tell you a little bit more about myself, Raoul. Thank you. So I grew up and trained as a biochemist in Germany and then came over to the U.S. in 97 to do a postdoc at UCSF. I was mainly interested at that time in uh, in neuroscience and I had sort of the plan of being an academic at some point in my life. None of those things became true, but I very quickly went into the biotech industry here in uh, the San Francisco Bay Area was in a couple of startup companies, mainly in neuroscience. And then at some point got a call from a radiation oncology company called Very Medical Systems that is kind of the largest company in that field. And that was looking for somebody to essentially build on the more medical technology aspects that the company had developed. And it was something that was entirely new to me. And I know that we'll talk a little bit later about radiation oncology as a field which is something that I became really very, very much in love with. And I think it's a, it's a terrific field to really make an impact on cancer patients. Anyway, I spent a number of years there and over the career sort of slowly but steadily transitioned over into more of business development roles. Actually, and we'll talk about that later as well, at Varian met Sam for the first time when uh, Reflection just got started. At some point, found myself at J&J Innovation working mainly on the, the integration of sort of pharma projects and device projects. And then now in uh, June 2019, joined Reflection as uh, Chief Business Officer. I've been very excited about and been very intrigued by the company and its mission. Excellent. Thanks, Thorsten. And Sam, over to you. would love to hear your career arc and how you got to what you're up to now. Thanks, Rahul. Yeah, so I was trained as a medical imaging scientist. My background is engineering. I hail from Canada, Toronto, Canada, and I got trained in computer engineering at the University of Waterloo there and came to Stanford over a decade ago to pursue a PhD in uh, more specifically medical imaging and learned a lot about that field, essentially the different energies that could be applied to see and peer inside the body. And it was a chance lecture I attended while I was a postdoc, also in the same radiological sciences lab I was in, in radiation oncology, which is the field that uses energy to treat cancer as opposed to just see what's going on, which is what I was experienced with, which really kicked off an idea that led to reflection. So it was more of a chance discovery, if you will, or, or conceptual thought that I had that led to the formation of the company. Great, Sam. And would love to understand when you were co-founding the company, 
at that time, when did you decide to go all in? And from an emotional aspect, how did you come to that decision? It was certainly wasn't a kind of a on-off light switch for sure. I was a postdoc at the time. I was pursuing an academic career. And this idea just kept nagging at me. And, and you know, I, I started to just think more and more about it. I entered a business plan seminar or I guess course, you could call it, that Stanford was also offering by their business school, just to put a business plan together around it and see if it had legs. It turned out that it looked like it did and that it could be something fundamentally different and new and could hopefully have a big impact in the world. And so I recruited a co-founder to really jump in with me. And that was really the process by which it became a real company, if you will. Before that, it was really just an idea and, and interest while I was pursuing an academic career. But then it was when I recruited my co-founder, who was an old high school friend of mine, his name is Akshay Nanduri. He was instrumental in helping me get it off the ground. Although that was, you know, off the ground is maybe too bold of a statement because it took us five years to really get the project properly funded. And, and along the way, we met people like Torsten. And when we went to company after company to see if there was any interest in, in what we could do. And so it was a process for sure, but it was certainly wasn't an on-off kind of yes-no decision. It was a process to realize just the beginning of the company. The overnight success, that's a decade in the in the making, if you will. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, yes. Yeah, great. And Torsten, now over to you. We'd love for you to set the stage around challenges in oncology currently and the landscape of radiation oncology and why it's so important. Yeah, no, happy to talk about it. And, and uh, what Sam just mentioned kind of reminded me actually of the first time Sam and I met. And it was Sam and Akshay and a single pretty beaten up laptop computer that was Reflection Medical at that time. I was at Varian and they gave this fantastic presentation that was so forward looking and that was really clear that it could introduce a game changing technology to really make an impact on patients with all stages of cancer. And so maybe let's back up a little bit sort of radiation oncology, external beam radiotherapy. This is an area that within the biotech and the biopharmaceutical industry is not that well known. And the reason for that is very, very simple. Namely, that external beam radiotherapy belongs in this family of so-called locally ablative therapies that are mainly used for treatment of very early stage cancer. So broadly, cancer falls into early stage, that is local or regional cancer, where the expectation is that you could, with a locally ablative therapy, essentially cure the patient. And those locally ablative therapies can be surgery, robotic surgery, or multiple kind of energy-based methods, microwave, radiofrequency ablation, but the best known one, and probably the one that is standard of care in essentially any and every single solid tumor is external beam radiotherapy. So it is essentially high energy delivered to a solid tumor through a large device called a linear accelerator. And it is essentially like non-invasive surgery in a way that this energy induces a lot of DNA damage and then leads to the death of the cells. And as I said, standard of care in essentially all solid tumor indications early stage, it is very safe, it is very efficacious, and on top of that, it is very cost effective. 
So now you might wonder, like, why not using that very same technology in stage four in metastatic cancer, where we know it's not curable anymore? The cancer has spread to other organs. And the reason why external beam radiotherapy essentially is not used in this situation as standard of care is a technological one, namely that those large devices, the linear accelerators, are built to treat only single lesions with the idea of ablating a single tumor. And thus, this treatment that is so effective cannot be readily scaled to treating multiple other tumors. And that is, and Sam will explain it in a little bit more eloquent detail than I can, is the starting point for reflection as a company to essentially bring this very well understood, safe, efficacious, and cost-effective modality called external beam radiotherapy into the metastatic disease setting. And as we all know, in that setting, the five-year overall survival probability is somewhere between 3 and 30%. So it is between 3 and 10-fold less than it is in local cancer. If you catch the cancer early, you can treat it with locally ablative therapy. If you catch the cancer late, it has already spread to multiple organs. These effective therapies cannot be used anymore. And what we are left with is systemic therapy, can be chemotherapy, monotherapy, targeted therapeutics, or even cell therapy. And, and all of them, obviously, in the last number of decades have made a huge impact on patients' lives, but still overall survival, 3 to 30%, and all of that at a healthcare spend of more than $250 billion per year for metastatic cancer. So that, that's kind of, in a nutshell, the market and the situation that reflection is breaking into with this new technology called biology-guided radiotherapy to essentially make external beam radiotherapy available to metastatic cancer patients and to deploy it in addition to systemic therapy and thereby the promise of that in the future to come to much better outcomes for metastatic cancer patients. Great, Torsten. Thank you for that comprehensive background. Would love to learn more about the specific technology and the areas of focus now for reflection, where, where you're pointing this technology now. That's a great question. You know, I wish I could say when, when we were starting the company that we knew where to point it at. Initially, it was oh, this is a better way to have a closed-loop therapy actually happen in patients. So for the first time, cancer would actually be signaling itself and guiding radiation delivery. And you know we call it closing the loop in the sense that cancer is directly talking to an external machine, and that machine is sending back the therapeutic radiation to destroy it. And so that seemed like, well, we're making radiation therapy better. But over the years when we were out begging for money and, and also talking to people like Torsen and, and uh, looking for mentors in the space, we started to get an appreciation. Um, and this was from Torsen and this was from pharmaceutical companies, actually. Pfizer and Johnson & Johnson separately became investors in the company early on because they believed that this should be aimed at not just the indications where radiation is used today, which is those early stage single tumor indications, but in indications where pharmaceuticals are used predominantly today, which is in metastatic disease. And so that's what we're building the technology for. 
it's aimed at treating metastatic disease, as, as Torsen outlined. And that's not really limited to a specific solid tumor cancer. Theoretically, we could go after almost any solid tumor cancer, whether that be metastatic lung cancer or metastatic breast cancer or prostate cancer. But really, it's the ability to turn cancer on itself and use its own emissions to guide treatment that allows this parallelizing of radiotherapy to multiple sites of disease throughout the body. And so those are the indications that we're thinking about and that we've already formed some partnerships around to be able to try to attack once this technology is cleared by the FDA. Great. Thanks, Sam. And how would you differentiate the BGRT technology relative to what's standard of care right now? How should folks think about the trade-offs and the pros and cons? BGRT, which stands for Biology-Guided Radiotherapy, is a new modality that uses PET emissions. And PET is a medical imaging modality, stands for positron emission tomography. It's used typically in cancer diagnosis and staging. It involves the administration of what's called a radio tracer, which is a drug that's injected intravenously at very small amounts, but has a radioactive tag attached to it so that a PET scanner can essentially sense where cancer is in the body because the cancer will selectively uptake that particular radiopharmaceutical more than healthy tissue and light up, if you will, in a PET scan. So to really answer your question, one has to understand what BGRT is. It is the first technology that uses that PET emission process to guide radiotherapy treatment in real time. The challenge with radiation therapy today and all other technologies that are trying to deliver advanced local therapy to tumors is the ability to see where a tumor is during the actual treatment. It sounds pretty basic, but just simple facts like patients breathing. So the fact that a tumor is moving and and in motion really limits the ability to uh, deliver ablative doses of radiation to that tumor because of that motion trajectory. And so typically what what happens is if you imagine that tumor is a, let's say a race car on a racetrack and it's moving around in a certain motion trajectory, what most systems will do is it'll try to cover that car, let's say with a beam of light by covering the entire racetrack. What BGRT allows one to do is to essentially shine a spotlight that will follow that car around the racetrack to really reduce the amount of other tissue that you're delivering radiation to. But more importantly, because it relies on these PET emissions that are coming out of tumors themselves, it lends itself to something that is scalable and paralyzable to multiple tumors. So you can be following multiple cars on that same racetrack automatically. And so that's what we're building the technology to do. It's not cleared yet. We're working hard to do the clinical study to build evidence for clearance by the FDA after that evidence arrives. However, we're very excited about the prospect of finally opening up this local therapy modality that is radiation therapy to a very different type of patient cohort, one that really needs other options. Sam, I love the analogy. It it allowed my simple mind to grasp the concept and understand the difference. So thank you. That was great. Well, Um, I I wish I could take credit for that, but that's really from our chief medical officer, but (laughs) I'll, I'll let him know. You mentioned the fundraising journey a little bit. I think every entrepreneur has struggled with fundraising and a variety of other challenges along the way. For the budding entrepreneurs that are listening to this, if you could go back to your younger self when you were founding the company, is there any salient advice that you could pass on, something that you wish you knew now that you didn't appreciate or understand in the early days of reflection? 
That is a good question. And probably it's one that's tough to answer because it really depends on, you know, what I've noticed is that every entrepreneurial story is different. And I'm sure you've seen this too in your journey, Rahul, and, and others, you know, other companies you've been involved in is, is that there, it's hard to really tie themes together. But if I were to say, you know, what are qualities in an entrepreneur that have mattered? You know, I, I boil it down to three important ones. First one being vision. So you have to be able to see how the world should be or ought to be. And that vision has to make sense. Obviously, it has to be grounded in reality. And vision isn't necessarily hard. I think everyone could have a vision of what should happen. Then, of course, you need persistence. That's a pretty basic one, but uh, you're going to encounter roadblocks. And if you think your vision is right, hopefully that vision will trump the roadblocks. And then finally, at least this was important for myself and my co-founder, a healthy amount of ignorance. Because if you knew exactly what was before you, you might not do it. You know, it, it may be helped that I wasn't directly in the field of radiation oncology. I actually knew very little about it. So I didn't know what I didn't know, which was probably a good thing. But yeah, I think, you know, the most important thing is being able to, I think, articulate for yourself, you know, why you think something could have an impact in solving a, a problem. And if it could, you know, could you realistically get there? If it makes sense to you, you'll eventually convince other people. I think it just first has to make sense for yourself. So asking yourself the tough questions is important and continually doing that along the way. That's great, Sam. Yeah, that certainly resonated with me. Uh, switching topics a bit and over to Torsten, would love to understand how Reflection is thinking about partnerships. You, you guys have been active in, in certain partnerships. How do you view partnerships currently and how do you go about making the decision as to who to partner with? No, great question. So I think within the, the universe of small companies, we are a little different as it relates to partnership for the reason that our vision, as, as Sam explained, is really very bold and very big. It is introducing a new modality into metastatic cancer treatment. As we talk to more of it, like a biotech and biopharma audience, it's as if we were inventing something like cell therapy or checkpoint inhibitors or antibody drug conjugates. It's truly a new way of treating cancer. And the company itself is really very grounded in software and hardware engineering. And that is kind of the core competency of our R&D team that is building on Sam's original idea, that is building on the original patent portfolio. And I think we are also realistic that as a small company, one of your advantages is to be focused and to be very execution-centered. So while we want to go into this big area of metastatic cancer treatment with this new modality called EGRT, we are also realistic enough to know that only BGRT will not beat metastatic cancer as monotherapy. So where that leads us to is that we will treat patients and those patients will always be on some sort of systemic therapy, whether that is chemotherapy, targeted immunotherapy, maybe even cell therapy, or what has become very popular these days, again, is targeted radionuclide therapeutics or radioactively labeled drugs. The way I always, in a very simple way, think about it, external beam radiotherapy is really good to eliminate bulky disease, so big clumps of tumor, whereas drugs are typically very good in eliminating micrometastatic disease. So one of the first relationships that we formed is with Merck around Merck's PD-1 inhibitor pembrolizumab, 
where the expectation is that the combination of pembrolizumab and BGRT might lead to higher response rate and better outcomes for patients simply by the fact that BGRT could eliminate some of the resistance mechanisms that exist in the metastatic cancer patients against that drug. So that is kind of the one angle. Then the second angle is, as uh, Sam explained, the technology works through detection of PET emissions. And so there is multiple radiopharmaceuticals out there that send out those PET emissions. The most well-known one is called FDG. It's essentially a sugar that is consumed by cancer cells, and then they send out that signal that the machine is following. So this is where this very nice description of the company turning cancer on itself is coming from. We record the emissions and we essentially then put the beam onto those cancer cells. Now, FDG doesn't work in every single cancer type. And so we are very interested in some more cancer type specific PET imaging tracers. And we have formed one relationship with an Australia-based radiopharmaceutical company called Telix around novel tracers for renal cancer and for prostate cancer. And another area of interest is then to collect all of the information that is being gathered by our device and, and through treatment of patients and put it into sophisticated image analysis software. And so we have another relationship with a software company called HealthSmile. And all of that is now also overlaid then with the discovery of certain biomarkers. So you can see in contrast to your typical small companies, we are essentially touching four different industries, the biopharmaceutical industry, the radiopharmaceutical industry, the software industry, and the diagnostic industry through biomarkers. And so what is so exciting for somebody like me in business development and external innovation is the opportunity to really build an ecosystem around the core technology that Sam and our R&D team has put together and to essentially be a technology integrator. So we have like our proprietary technology foundation that is the hardware and the software that the company develops itself. But then for all of the clinical applications and in order to bring the benefit of that core technology really to patients with metastatic disease, we need different touch points in different industries and really put a, a true ecosystem together to integrate all of those different industries and put clinical applications forward that really matter to patients, because that's what this industry is really about. That's great, Torsten. Yeah, it sounds like the approach that you've taken to partnerships is focused on the outcome for patients, and that, that's a great way to focus the company in external innovation. And certainly keeps you busy, it seems like. Yes, no, it is, it is a very, very exciting business development function. It is very diverse. We also build now a team of people that come partly with an engineering background, others come with more of a software background, somebody else is coming with a very strong biology background. So it is something that I think is very unique in the industry and that really then also allows to truly innovate on also the, the business model side. Because sometimes when we talk for the first time to certain companies, there is a fair amount of education about radiation oncology. What are we trying to accomplish? But later on, there is a true win-win in the sense that to most of the partners, 
we make novel patient populations available, novel markets available, in which they can tap in with the existing technology. Like Merck is a great example. Merck didn't need to invent a new drug to collaborate with us. No, it's pembrolizumab. It's already on the table. Ortelix didn't need to invent a new PET imaging agent to collaborate with us. It is something that they actually have just driven to approval as a diagnostic imaging agent. And what we essentially do, we give it a new application and, and thereby give new benefit to patients. That's great. Sounds like a lot of thought went into building a framework in terms of who to partner with and what is you know, potentially therapeutic modalities that are already available that could benefit from your technology. And, and that certainly would speed up the pace of innovation, it seems like, at reflection as well. So we'd love to learn about where the company is now and, you know, perhaps over the long term, the import of the technology that you're working on to patients. So it's been a journey. We've been over a decade in the making, essentially been an R&D company for 10 years, but very, very happy to say that just last year we became a commercial organization. So we do have FDA clearance for one aspect of our machine. Our machine is called the X1 system. And the X1, although it's geared for biology-guided radiotherapies we discussed, and we're still pursuing FDA clearance for that aspect, the X1 is also capable of doing more conventional radiation therapy uh, using an advanced CT scanner on the machine itself. And so we have FDA clearance for that portion, image-guided radiotherapy on the X1. And so last year we became commercial and we started taking orders. And our first customer was Stanford, actually, my alma mater. And it was very exciting for us to be able to place a machine there. And we've now kicked off our first clinical study for the BGRT clearance part, which is an IDE study called BioGuideX. We're very excited about producing data for BGRT. But in terms of your question about where hopefully this is all going to go in, in the future, you know, what could this mean for patients? I really agree with Thorsen 100% that for, you know, the modality that's traditionally used in metastatic disease, which are advanced cancer drugs like pembrolizumab and, or other advanced immunotherapies or targeted therapies or chemotherapy, whatever, whatever it is, a lot of gains have been made over the last couple of decades, but there's still so much room to grow and outcomes are still unacceptable. And so if Reflection's clinical thesis is correct, there could be an important role for external beam radiation to play in metastatic disease. And if that's the case, we hope to be the center, or at least a very important part of the standard of care for all stages of cancer, including metastatic cancer. And so that's the impact that it's our vision to have as a company, and I'm very excited about pursuing. You know, on that note, Sam and Thorson, thank you so much for sharing the important work that Reflection Medical is doing and for tackling such an important challenge to humanity. It was great to have you both on and look forward to following your progress and, and having you on again in the near future. Thank you, Rahul. It's been great to be on Biotech 2050. We're excited as well. Really uh, look forward to a chat again. Thank you, Rahul. This was, uh, was fantastic. And uh, congratulations to putting such an important podcast series on. Thank you both. Thank you for listening to this episode of Biotech 2050. This episode is hosted by me, Rahul Chaturvedi. It's edited and mixed by Megan Lovering. If you enjoyed this episode of Biotech 2050, please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. Also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Biotech2050Pod. Again, that's Biotech2050Pod. Until next time.